Hello, and welcome to the Chundu Living Podcast. My name is Charlie, and I'm joined by two guests today, Jerry and Andrew from the United States and from Canada. And today we're talking about a specific area of martial arts in Chengdu, which is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. This is a topic which we've talked about on the website before with Jerry, actually. Years ago, I did an interview with Jerry, who at the time, I think, were you a brown belt then? You were not a black belt? I was a brown belt at the time, yes. Brown belt at the time. Okay, so now you're a black belt. Both of my guests today are jiu-jitsu practitioners, both of which are hosting training events and more in Chengdu, which we'll get into. Let's start by just... Uh, Tell me a little bit about yourselves, who you are, and how you came to Chengdu. Sure. I mean, I've been in Chengdu for about five years. Uh, <clears throat> I'm a purple belt under Jerry here at Chengdu BJJ. I've been training jiu-jitsu for about uh, 12 years myself, and uh, it's been great. In that time, like, BJJ has grown a lot in Chengdu. Sure has. Yeah. So, yeah, my name's Jerry. I'm from the States. Uh, yeah, I've been training since 2001. Black belt on the Fabiano Ujo, Carlson Gracie black belt. Um, yeah, I came to Chengdu 2011 in October, I believe. I mm -hmm. made a post in Chengdu Living and um, stayed ever since. I loved it. I stayed for, for just jujitsu. Excellent. Yeah. So the last time that we talked on the site, we were kind of talking about the fledgling jujitsu scene in Chengdu, yes. which you were kind of sort of the main actor in at the time. And still today, it's grown a lot since then, I'm sure. But maybe you can tell us a little bit about how it's changed and grown, I guess, in the five or so years since we last talked. Yeah, since the last time we chatted, um, uh, we were squatting different gyms like Taekwondo gyms and dance studios. And now we have our own place. Like, uh, it's been in operation for about three years. So we have classes about seven days a week. Back in the day, we were limited to about four or five classes a week. And it was very stressful for some people because they couldn't make it at certain times. Yeah, uh, we have it twice a day, almost seven days a week, and um, there's different classes, different levels, and even kids' classes, and people really enjoy it as a team, as a community. And honestly, you know, like I've trained like all over the world, and uh, I've trained at a pretty high level, and I've seen the level of jujitsu and Chengdu rise to be like on an international level. Right now, we have a facility at Chengdu BJJ where there are like classes every single day of the week, high level instruction, yeah. higher belt levels, like like world class guys, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, this has been a general theme, which we've been talking about on Chengdu Living for a long time, just the development of the city and specifically how non-Chinese things develop in the city. So right now we're drinking this beer, which came from this brewery, which just opened downstairs uh, below my apartment. And it's like a German beer brewery. They have ale and stout. And uh, this, this is the kind of thing that you're increasingly seeing in Chengdu. It's, you're seeing really world culture get a real serious position and develop. And it's great to see jujitsu in particular blossom in this area to have seen this growth. I'm kind of hard pressed to think of other kind of foreign athletic culture, which has developed over that five-year period like jiu-jitsu has. What do you attribute the growth of this to? Do you guys have any thoughts on what makes jiu-jitsu so adaptable to China? For me, it's the community aspect of it. Um, when I first came, um, it was just was a white belt from England. He was teaching. Then when he left, I came right at the right time. Oh, right. What was his name? Jamie. Respect uh, Jamie. to Jamie. Jamie. That's right. Honestly, respect. he's like one of the founders, if not like the he founder, founder yes. the founder of, of CDBJ. Yeah. yeah, I trained with him as well. Yeah, I met him many years ago. Oh, nice wow. guy. He was a blue belt at the time, I think. 2011? Something like that. I'm not sure exactly, but Jamie, yeah. He left in 2013, like the same year I got here. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So respect to Jamie for like pioneering BJJ and Chengdu, really. The yeah. old baton toss. Now you got <laughs> yeah. it. Now you got that baton. You guys are running with it. Yeah. Like uh, when he left, I came right at, right after he left and uh, made a post on one of the forums, uh, both Chengdu Living and Go Chengdu. 
Next thing you know it, Boris called me and picked me up from my apartment way outside Long Chuen and just drove me right to the center of the city to train. No kidding. It's, it's been yeah, great since then. You know, I'm thinking maybe for people who don't know what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is, can you guys describe it? How would you describe it to someone who's not really familiar with the martial arts? Man, like watch watch like the UFC, watch MMA and the fighting that they're doing on the ground, minus the punching, like all the grappling positions, that's pretty much like BJJ. Yeah. BJJ is traditionally done in a gi, but <clears throat> that's how the world got introduced to BJJ is through the UFC. UFC yeah. won. Hoyce Gracie came in there, skinny little Brazilian dude, 175 pounds, choking out like 240-pound wrestlers. Yeah. Is that how you guys got into jiu-jitsu as well? Was it through watching MMA? Yeah. Likewise, yeah. I watched uh, UFC. Uh, I remember Tito Ortiz was in Connecticut, where I'm from. He was doing an event at uh, Mohegan Sun. Next thing you know, it, I'm like, oh, shit, I want to watch. I want to train. Um, they had a uni- uh, <clears throat> clubbing in university, so I just trained there. Yeah. Previously, I told you right before we started recording this that I recorded a podcast with Vaughn Anderson, mm-hmm. who is a Canadian uh, retired now professional fighter who spent uh, most of his life in China. He's legit, too. Yeah, very legit. Great guy. We recorded a previous podcast with him about MMA in China, so we go kind of in-depth on that, although that was a couple years ago, and that that has developed a lot as well. Definitely. He fought, like, War Machine, Marius Saramskis. Like, that's a pretty high-level guy, and it's really cool because he did the majority of his training, like, all in China. Yeah, in, like, Xi'an or something, right? Is that... uh, Uh, He started started in Taiwan, I believe, and then came to mainland later on. Mm. And like his whole career up to like 16 and 17 pro fights were all like all based out of China. Super cool. So do you guys get the impression that every major city in China is kind of similar to Chengdu as far as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or is Chengdu special? How does it fit into kind of the national scene and what does the national scene look like? Compared to Beijing, Shanghai, Chengdu is lacking. Um, Beijing, Shanghai, they're more developed. Uh, People are more outgoing, I believe, and uh, they're more foreigners, so naturally, they're more akin to BJJ as a martial art. Mm-hmm. Chengdu hasn't been so much. And Andrew could tell you, like, a lot of gyms failed in, just, since I've been here, and we're luckily, you know, we're surviving. You know? Well, it makes sense. Those are mega cities. Right. Mega yeah. cities in China. You're talking about, like, 25 million people. That's, like, a huge hub for, for, for pretty much anything Western. Yep. In China, like, it's going to be, like, in Shanghai or Beijing. But that being said, I think Chengdu is doing well. Any of those guys from Shanghai BJ can come down to Chengdu BJ and roll. Of course, yeah. And it's going to be competitive. Anyone that comes from other teams, they're going to see our level and they're going to experience it for themselves. And hopefully they think good of us. That's one thing I hear all the time. We get guys coming in from all around the world, traveling in Chengdu here on business or whatever. And they come here and they're really, they're shocked at like the level of jiu-jitsu in Chengdu. Wow. You know, for a city that a lot of guys haven't even heard of, that black belt that came from New Mexico. Oh, yeah. Never yeah, even yeah. heard of Chengdu. It's mm. been a week here. A uh, Gracie Baja black belt from New Eric. Mexico came, came here. Yeah, he was rolling with our guys. He's like, wow, I can't believe I've never even heard of the city and I'm coming here. And it's like, the competition level is real. That's amazing. That's tremendous. So to give some context, maybe, what is involved with getting a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt? You're a black belt. Are there a lot of them in China? How many of them are in Chengdu and what's the path to get there? Chengdu, I believe there are three or four black belts, possibly three. Um, the path to get it, it's a very long and arduous path. Um, Who are there? There's you. There's me. Rafa. Rafa and a second degree black belt outside Chengdu. I think Anderson is he knows him. Outside Chengdu. Yeah. Um, I heard there are himself. nine BJJ black belts in China. I think there's more. Wow. There's, on that thread more. that I posted regarding the tournament, I suppose we'll talk about that later. Mm. People were discussing this, and I think they the figure that was decided upon was there nine BJJ black belts I think in China. Like 14, 15, just in Beijing. Which is crazy for a country of like a billion yeah. people. Yeah, that's like <laughs> way less than one in a million. You guys are like, that's super <laughs> yeah. rare. 
but I think she has about 14 to 15. I'm not sure. Maybe we could check it up you know, later. Yeah. The, no. the presence of a black belt, how much does that really mean for the development of the jiu-jitsu ecosystem you know, regionally? It means a great deal because a uh, black belt could see the level where someone's at and help guide them to reach the blue belt, purple belt. And can and award other. rank. Exactly. Yeah. You can award rank once you're a black belt, you know? I and see. Prior really to that, you couldn't. Thing. Yeah. You know, I had the feeling with uh, Jamie, who I trained with, he was so enthusiastic. He was such a good uh, kind of yeah. activist for jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed um, – I'm like a white belt. I'm not like an experienced uh, jujitsu practitioner. But it did feel like Chengdu had a ways to go where there's like kind of a blue belt who's in a exactly. leadership position for like such a large city. And since then, now there's a dedicated jiu-jitsu gym, which is yours. Thank you. And you have a Chinese partner as well, right? What is the... It's called CDBJJ. Can you describe what that looks like and how it started? CDBJJ started 2011 by uh, Jamie. Uh, right now, it's run, run by me, Rocky, and Jelly. Uh, Jelly just came out a couple years ago and... We just accepted him. Rocky and Jelly are Chinese, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. They both. Uh, Jelly's been training all over, around the world. Ten years in England, I believe. England, Greece, Greece. Yeah, Greece. Holland. Former professional kickboxer. Yep. Fought at a very high level. Oh wow! I believe, did he fight K one in Europe? I think so. For a, bit, a yeah. very high level, anyway. For high level, he yeah. trained at like Mike's gym in Holland, which is a huge, like, a uh, world renowned kickboxing gym. Wow! Came, came to Chengdu about five years ago and basically dedicated his life to martial arts and jujitsu specifically. Yeah. Has since become a brown belt under Jerry, and he's one of the scariest guys at our gym. Yeah, seriously. If you're in Chengdu and you come down to uh, Chengdu BJJ and roll with Jelly, yeah, it's look good. out. Look out. <laughs> seriously. Yeah, and Rocky's my purple belt. He's been with me since day one. Since I came to China. Um, he just helped out with everything. His name's on everything. Yeah, he works at the the bear the panda base. No, 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 the moon base, the moon bear base. Oh, moon bear base. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, like, so uh, I'm not the familiar with that. Bears, the okay, same bears, okay. Files, all that. I'm not right, right. Not okay, about that. So these guys also presumably got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu through MMA. Is that correct? Uh, one was a kickboxer, but is that the general path which people take? I mean, because MMA is such a bigger sport. That's one of the huge feeders exactly, into it, yeah. interest in MMA, because BJJ is such a, grappling is such a big component of MMA, and MMA is such a, a popular sport. Hmm. Yeah. So I'd say that's a huge contributor. And Joe Rogan. These oh, days. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Rogan, yeah. yeah, Joe Rogan. That's probably time. less of a factor in China, but uh, I know back home and everything like that, a lot of people get interested through him. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. He's a great advocate for a lot of things. Jiu-Jitsu is definitely on that short list of things which he promotes the hardest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. What does the breakdown look like at CDBJJ versus uh, you know foreigners and um, Chinese people? Is it mostly locals or mostly expats? It's mostly locals. Currently, we have about what, 10%. Uh, foreigners and 90% all locals. Oh, wow. So every class is taught in English, well, my classes at least, and I have a couple of translators will help out. Um, 90, 10, that is not what I would have expected. I would have expected probably 95, I think. Yeah. Wow. Geez. I think that's pretty common for BJJ in China. Like all the gyms that I visited have been like the vast majority of people training there have been Chinese. That's a great sign, right? Yeah. That means you have a lot of potential room to grow. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, exactly. Good. Yeah, that's how it should be. I mean, should look at the good. population breakdown. Foreigners are what, like 0.01% of the population or less? If that. <laughs> yeah, if that's that. extremely so, generous. You know, just being 10% of the jiu-jitsu population is already like pretty big compared to how many foreigners are here. Right. Yeah, definitely. What did it look like five years ago? Last time we talked, you were working in the same organization, but I know it looked really different. It looks was, really different, yeah. Yeah, it was so. fewer people, different place. How has it changed? Just bigger space for all of us, uh, more training time. Um, back in the day, it was about close to 98 locals, like two percent foreigners i was i was probably doing a foreigner mm-hmm. so right now it's a, it's been a great sign so we progress 
Uh, back, but the thing is, a lot of my blue belts quit, which I'm kind of sad about. I wish they would come back and see the level that we're at. That's the belt. I think a lot of people quit at blue belt. Yeah, yeah. they get there. Why is that? It's like, well, because it takes so long to get there, but to progress even further, it requires like a pretty big dedication. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where like, is blue belt in the whole scheme of the belt system, and how long does it take to get there? Next one after white. Yeah. Um, you know, unlike other martial arts systems like judo, BJJ skips a lot of belts. Like something like judo, for example, would go like white, yellow, orange, green, blue. But as an adult, if you're training jujitsu, there's a big jump from white to blue belt. Hmm. And that can take, well, it really depends on how dedicated someone is. What, like six, seven months would be the earliest I could see someone yep. getting a blue belt. Hmm. All the way up to like, it took me like four years to get my blue belt. Same here, yeah. yeah. A couple of my students got it in 10 months. Like Rocky. Like, um, yeah, because they're training like crazy. Months. Exactly. You know, or they come from some sort of athletic background where yeah. they're just like, they have the propensity to learn the techniques a lot quicker right. or, or whatever. Or they're, you know, able to be competitive at an earlier stage with yeah. other blue belts, you know? Is there, a lot of, is, like that, is there a lot of skill overlap with something like wrestling? Yes. Or yes. Chinese martial arts, any of them? Chinese martial arts. I'm not too Sorry. versed with like Chinese martial arts. Sancho or Sanda, there are a couple of Chinese martial arts that like kind of merge like kickboxing and mm -hmm. wrestling together. Mm -hmm. I've trained with a couple like Sanda athletes and they have good like throws and good like stand-up wrestling techniques that can translate into it for sure. Hmm. What uh, people who come into the CDBJJ gym, how many of them are experienced practitioners and how many are new? Are there a lot of new people who just kind of walk in interested in fitness or in jiu-jitsu or... Yeah, like we pretty much get all white belts for our locals. Um, we don't get a lot of people who train other other places. All of my students uh, from the ground up, meaning like um, they started with me and uh, they all my belts threw me. Well, besides Andrew and a couple other people, but like Jelly, Debbie, like Rocky, all of them came through me. And um, this past tournament, all the winners, they all started from white belt with me. Cheney mm -hmm. BJ, number years. one team at the uh, GCJJF yeah, tournament recently in spite of the, in spite of the ban. Yeah. On, on foreigners from competing, still number one team in overall points, right? Yes. We had a couple of foreigners that were... Oh, so you just... Okay, so there was a tournament recently. W let's just get into this. You guys can describe this. Huge so, controversy. Right. Huge so controversy. we've just passed a, a national holiday, mm -hmm. and uh, there was a, there was a jiu-jitsu tournament in Chengdu at on that time. On the holiday, yes. On the holiday, and you guys were going to participate, right? Or yep. CDBJJ was uh, participating. I had, a, had about four or five foreigners going to participate, but they said, sorry, you can't. The government said. No. The government, the local government said the foreigners could not participate in or the tournament even or even spectate. At event. first, it was they couldn't compete. And then later on, it was decided that foreigners could not even attend or there were going to be some referees that were foreigners or yep. part of the you know organizational team, you know. But yeah, I mean, you got to, you were barred to go. You said there's three or four black belts in Chengdu. There, are they Chinese people? Are there any Chinese black belts here? In Chengdu? Chengdu? No. 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 Okay. So by. Blocking them, you're blocking all the most authoritative for members of the local Shindu, scene. Sichuan, yes, exactly. And I believe like there were two black belts. Uh, one was from Czech Matt BJ Rafa, yep. and another I don't know if he was from Guangzhou. There was a black belt coming from another city. Tim, Tim, uh, Hangzhou. I'm not sure. I don't know something like that. And they were going to have Somewhere a match city, yeah. in the open, you know, black belt division or whatever. And I think that would have been the first time that. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first time that we would have seen black belts competing in, in Chengdu, Chengdu, yes, That'd be which brilliant. is a significant milestone, I think, for the for growth sure. of BJJ in Chengdu. Yes, and because they're both foreigners, that was um, well, that just didn't. It happen. sucks that government part, you know, foreigners who attend that, that event. Is I'm it sure is happened. it typical for this to happen, or is this very unusual? What's what's your first feeling when you found this news? This was the first time, the first time I've, I've ever heard of, heard of, it. of yeah. it ever happening. The GCJJF had done tournaments before in 
Shanghai, uh, Hangzhou, I believe. There's one coming up in Taiyuan. Yeah. Uh, there, there was one in Shenzhen. They never encountered these problems before. This was the first time we maybe it's because on a holiday, major holiday, like this happening. Government just got scared. There's a lot of speculation going on, but it became a huge controversy. Right. So you kind of directly help raise awareness of the controversy, right? With a a very popular Reddit post, which I I felt like I should. Yeah. No, I think I think you did the right thing. It's funny that you made this post. And then you linked, I think, or you mentioned it to Jerry and I. And then Jerry was like, oh, yeah, I responded. And, that, and didn't even realize it was you yeah. posting it. <laughs> but tell us what the post, what was the content of the post? It was funny. I actually had several people like link this to me after the fact, like after I posted it, like, hey, you should check, the, check this out. There's like this tournament happening. Apparently, foreigners can't go. And this ended up, you know, as my thread. But I mean, like I said, I felt like it was like newsworthy. It was like a big event in Chengdu. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are there just aren't that many tournaments happening in Chengdu at all. And this was a big one. First biggest. Yeah. And and for something like this to happen is just it's a it's big news. It's kind of devastating, yeah. yeah. So the post just said there was a, a tournament's coming up and I've been banned from participating. Well, I had a good friend, uh Tony. He's yep. uh he's a Marine, he works at the US consulate here in Chengdu and he's been training at CDBJ the last six, seven months. And he's been really dedicated to BJJ and he's going to be leaving Chengdu soon. And, uh, this was his like, you know, final BJJ in Chengdu. Hurrah. He's training very oh, hard. Training for super this hard with this very tournament. Hard. He was doing some privates with me. He was coming out to my Nogi classes and all this kind of stuff. I was like prepping him to get ready for this tournament, helping him like cut weight and all this kind of stuff. It was a big deal to him. And he messages me Friday night, which is like three or four days before the tournament. He just posts this screenshot of the notification sent out to foreign competitors saying... Yeah. Well, I got that know, too from Tony, from Jelly, from a lot of people are like, what the hell's going on? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, it's out of my control. Exactly. You know, something we can't do anything about. So short notice, like three, four days before the tournament, all foreign competitors are informed that they're not going to be able to participate for yeah. whatever reasons. May Bamfa can't do anything about it. You know, sorry about yep. that. Hopefully get their money back, but we'll Still see. Still haven't. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's been last week. Yeah. What is today? The sixth? Five yeah. days since the tournament? Yeah. Do you think this is going to result in a loss of credibility for the organization or is it kind of seen as not has. their fault? Absolutely. Or? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. For me personally, I'm not going to compete in their events. What right. if this were happening? You know, there were foreigners coming here from other cities yep. who booked plane tickets, accommodations, trained hard for this, exactly. put time off work, et cetera, et cetera. And they just get screwed over hard. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I had a guy from Beijing visit us. He was like, I couldn't compete. Could I trade your gym? I was like, yeah, okay, don't worry, come. Oh, geez. So he enjoyed us, but he was devastated. He couldn't compete. Have you gotten a sense for how Chinese people feel about this? How people on the CDBJJ team who competed, do they have any thoughts on this? Or have you noticed any Chinese reaction to this? They were pretty pissed. I mean, the WeChat group, it was all like everyone yelling, screaming, you know, I'm like, what the hell's going on? So they're... They were pretty mad about it. Like we couldn't go as a full team. We had to go like partially. Right. And so and a couple of my students have to ref too because a lot of the foreigner band and all that. Sure. I was planning to be there coaching all day. I had a ton of friends yeah. competing in the event and uh it really threw a wrench into the gears for I mean I mean for our for whole team. Right, yeah. Yeah. But, so but the team still went and you guys won based on points, is that right? Yeah, as a team, like we 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 had like a lot of students compete, and we won as a as a team thing, as a group. Hmm. Tro- uh, group. I mean, they give you points yeah. for every like group first, points, yeah. second, or third place. You know that you get for you know if a competitor wins the team division, victory thing. I'm not sure what's like it called. Points. You know, the team they registered under gets like a certain amount of points based on their placing in the division. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it helped that we probably had the most competitors exactly, yeah. out of any other team. I mean, it was in in Chengdu, and we're the biggest BJJ team in Chengdu. Yeah. I mean, a lot right. of my students got first, second place, so of course we're gonna do well. And, um, how many people are on this team or how many people are involved in kind of the 
CDBJJ ecosystem? We had, at the term, we had 41 students compete. As a team, we probably have about 200 on paper, but actually comes about, you know, 30 per class, 20 or 30 per class. Wow, that so, seems huge. Yeah. That seems very large. Yeah. I mean, I trained at a really big gym in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and we had some like UFC level fighters, et cetera, et cetera. We were like pretty much the biggest gym in Calgary. And on a, you know, on a good night, we'd have 30 people out in class. And we do that regularly here Sorry, in Chang'e. Yeah. Thursday night class, like a big class like that, 40 people is not uncommon. I mean, it's not just men, also women. Like the, today we had about 10 women training today, you know, for a Sunday afternoon. It was really good. They yeah. all enjoyed it. Wow, that's fantastic. For someone who's listening to this maybe and has never been exposed to jiu-jitsu at all, let's say they're interested in coming by and doing a class or beginning training. What is a, a person who's totally new to this uh, getting themselves into? What does training look like and... uh What's involved? Are there any requirements? Or There's no requirement. Just wear a shirt and t-shirt. Um, just bring water. Be, be prepared to sweat a lot and stretch for and after. Does it require strength or uh, flexibility or are there any kind of requirements? Nothing's required for that Like in that matter. You will learn it throughout your jiu-jitsu career if you decide uh, to pursue it. So I'll just tell everyone to have an open mind when they step to the door. Man, we got girls that weigh like 40 kilos. Rocking oh, yeah. it, you know, in geese in our class. We got Boris is like 60 years old. You know, we have people from all like skills, levels, and like ranges. Yeah. Training anybody, anybody can do jujitsu. If you're curious about it, you just got to give it a try. Yeah. How would you guys describe, you know, your love of jujitsu? What is it about it that you guys find so attractive? What, what is so useful for the average person? For me, it's always a progression. There's always something to learn in jujitsu. Um, that's why I love about it. It's nothing you can, even if you're a black belt, you haven't mastered everything. There's always something you can improve upon. That's what I love about jiu-jitsu. It's like a never-ending math equation. Mm-hmm. That's and what it's, I believe. it's a realistic martial art that you get to put to the test every time you come to class because sparring is a fundamental component of BJJ. That's the thing I, I feel like a lot of traditional martial arts lack is like you can drill the techniques all you want, but if you never get to put them to practice against a There's, resisting opponent, you're never going right, to know yeah. if it actually works. But we spar every single day. You know, Small, in hard, class. And, very you, hard. and you, you can go hard with someone in a controlled and safe environment. You get to push yourself and yeah. see what actually works. I feel like that's real difficult to do with a lot of martial arts, especially striking martial arts like kickboxing or Muay Thai. If you spar in that, you're, it seems like you're really kind of you're taking very some, limited you're taking you some risks. You know, you could get injured in that situation. Yeah. At my gym, um, people spar. I'm always watching to see if people get injured or not. You know, if someone does get hurt, I'm always rushing to the corner. You can kind of minimize the risk, like with stand up sparring, wearing shin pads, like 16 ounce gloves or like headgear, mm-hmm. you know, but there's still the risk of getting clipped and, and getting a concussion in practice or something like that. Yeah, sure. That's the reason why I've personally strayed away from striking martial arts just because like I'm, you know, I don't like getting punched in the face, but yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, one of the most attractive qualities of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I feel is that, uh, it's kind of a gentle martial art as opposed to one where you're punching and kicking people in the head and such. Definitely. And you get to really see where you're at against other human beings. It's a good outlet for aggression. If you're, if you're dealing with some negativity in your personal life, frustrations, you can, this is like a good outlet for it. You can take that negative energy and turn it into something positive. Use yep. it as fuel for your training sessions. That's something that I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talked about MMA in China on this podcast with Vaughn, as I already mentioned, years ago. I know that a lot has changed since then, but since you guys both actively follow MMA and you have particular focus on jiu-jitsu, 
How do you guys feel about MMA in China? Is this um, something you guys are following? Are there any notable fighters in China or developments here? It's uh, growing. The UFC came to China this year. They did an event in Shanghai. Ago. They're talking about doing an event in Beijing, I believe, in August or something like that. Oh, that was the Bisping fight, right? It might, yeah, the Bisping the uh, Ke- against Kelvin Gastelum, Gastelum getting, yeah. getting knocked out. Uh, they're thinking about going to Singapore in uh, in June or July, I believe. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so it's growing it's coming, it's coming up. And it's great because that's going to help contribute to the, the growth of BJJ and grappling in China as well, for sure. Do you yeah. guys um, train with any kind of MMA fighters or is that a, a scene here as well? Is there any intersection between you guys and that? Yeah, like we uh, we have a partnership with uh, one gym here. I forgot the name. Is that Mboa Fight Club? Yeah, I think they changed it. It's Stacy's gym. I know that. Okay. Um, a couple of their fighters will come to our gym on Wednesday mornings. Really good. Uh, Nogi, Nogi is just you know, t-shirt shorts. There's uh, Leno Zhongqing Ya. He just yeah. opened up another gym that has an association with CDBJ here in Chengdu, mm-hmm. in the south of Chengdu, and he fights for one championship, yep. which is the biggest MMA organization in Southeast Asia. That's the organization which Vaughn works with. Yep, absolutely. I I, I believe still works there. I don't know if Vaughn manages Leno, but they're closely associated with one. uh, With one, he was there today. He was hanging out with Leno and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like training with a UFC fighter or with an MMA fighter is like one of the best ways for a a jujitsu gym or martial arts training operation to get really good visibility in China. Are there any kind of local? Fighters who you're looking at or training with, or do you see this space developing? Leto's one of them. Um, Definitely. I just wanted to say it's like it's super cool because BJJ is still such a young sport that if you really get involved with it, you're going to have the opportunity to train with like some world class people. Like when I just first started training BJJ in Calgary and got into it, I was training at this gym and Nick Ring was fighting. Oh, out yeah, of I our remember gym. Yeah. He was on the Ultimate Fighter. He fought in the UFC. Jason Day, who fought in the UFC, and I was just like some kid who came in, you know. With like, I'd been like sparring with my friends in the garage and I got interested in BJJ and there's like UFC fighters training at the gym. It's like basically what I'm trying to say. If you're into another sport and you wanted to train with world class athletes, good luck. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> you know, there but does like, seem to be sort of an intimacy in the jujitsu scene in general, um, which I've noticed. Uh, I haven't been very involved in the scene here in China, but in the United States, I've traveled across the country with a friend when he was preparing for IB. JJF, which is a national tournament, international tournament, I guess he was playing at the, competing at the US finals. But I noticed in general that going into a lot of these jiu-jitsu gyms, there were a lot of notable, you know, personalities who I interacted with who were very uh, intimate and friendly and welcoming to outsiders, even people who were basically total beginners like myself. And I think that's a theme here as well. Being able to train with uh, the two of you is like a a great opportunity for people here in Chengdu. Yeah, jiu-jitsu is a uh, universal language. Anywhere you go with a belt, people's going to accept you unless they're bad gym. People's going to w- welcome you with open arms. And if I go anywhere around the world as a black belt, they're like, oh, come train with us, please. You know, they always welcome you to me, even Andrew, when he travels. So it's a great language to learn, to say that. And it's uh, universal, I think. If I go anywhere, I'm always bringing my kimono, gi, my belt. And I'm always looking at which gyms are available close to me and just go train. Yeah, good for you guys. You guys are both top-notch people to train with and learn from. Speaking of black belt, I know that there's a Mm. controversy which you, uh, I guess, drew attention to, but I'm not really familiar with what was happening. But it's around uh, black belts in China, right? There's a new black belt in China. I'm not sure what his name is. I can't read Chinese, but he got his black belt recently from... um, 
Henzo Gracie's father. Henzo Gracie is considered like godfather jiu-jitsu. He has the biggest gym in all over the world and based in New York. His father gave this Chinese guy a black belt. Um, this Chinese guy was a blue belt couple months ago too, which is kind of weird. Blue so belt, seems, black belt. Seems illegitimate. Yeah. And they gave him a certificate and everything. The reasoning behind it was um, they gave him an honorary black belt because he's uh, progressing BJJ in China, which is kind of bullshit, I think. Right. You know? Someone like me, I came from the U.S., you know, stayed, stayed here for seven years just for jiu-jitsu. And this guy just got a black belt automatically. And I'm sure it had very little to do with his uh, five million RMB donation to yeah <laughs> to what? the cause. To, oh my goodness! I, I BJJF. Actually. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's a conspiracy theory. There yeah. you go. There you go. Wow. So okay. Well, that does this not lead to a massive loss in credibility for the the Gracie family for issuing this fraudulent black belt or for the organization? For- Probably not, because it just won't get out. Yeah. It stays within China. I think, I think yeah. Jerry posted it on RBJJ, which is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu subreddit. Um, you know, but beyond that, yeah. it's just not going to be a huge issue. Yeah, like their reasoning outside is outside of China. That is, so it's essentially a marketing tool, right? So, so this guy, yeah. he starts a gym. He said he it goes in the whole fluffy biography. There's a black belt behind the gym. It's mm-hmm. a Gracie black belt. It's all to build uh, credibility. That's the one cool thing about BJJ though. You can't fake a black belt. Nope. When you step out on the mat and you, you roll with somebody, you're going to get exposed right away. Like that guy could come by our gym and get rolled up by some white belts. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm 99% confident of that. So. Man, he's just a money guy. I've heard a story he paid, um, I think five mil, you said? Close to that, I think. Is yeah. this kind of thing common in China? Have you heard of this before? Yes, lower, uh, smaller scale, but not like big as this. And this is he's bringing IBJJF to China. That's the reasoning behind it, I believe. You know, and the Gracies are like, "Hey, here's a belt. Thank you for the money. Thank you for helping support our organization." You know, IBJJF yeah. is run by the Gracies, by the way. Um, well, so, I can see how they would be very eager to expand into China. <laughs> that part there's, there's a huge market here. You're Absolutely, about, like the world's second largest economy. Especially, I mean, the numbers, the ninety ten split, which you guys are talking about, that is indicative exactly, of yeah. enormous there's potential. Still such an untapped market for BJJ in China, it's unbelievable. Well, there's the potential this, here yeah. for it's going to be know. the same issue, like in Chengdu, where foreigners can't congregate in all one spot. That's going to be an issue too. Oh yeah, BJJF tracks pretty much everyone from everywhere. You know, well, it, maybe it's dominated by Chinese people, like like the people you train with. We'll maybe jujitsu yeah. in the future is for mostly for Chinese people. I don't know. Yeah, I remember the um, ADCC came to Beijing in 2013. It was the same issue. You know, a lot of foreigners, a lot of cops everywhere. So, yeah. for those that don't know, ADCC is like the Olympics of Brazilian jiu-jitsu competition for no gi. What does that stand for? Abu Dhabi Combat Club. Okay. It would be the Abu Dhabi Combat Club Submission Wrestling World Championships. It's, How is it that Abu Dhabi becomes the leader? Oh, it's a great story. One of the like sheiks of like mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi took an interest in BJJ in the mid to late 90s and he's like I want to do this up proper. So he just like invited some like BJJ superstars all invitational by the way, yeah. to come down to like Abu Dhabi and train him personally, Henzo Gracie being among them. And he's like, "You know what? I want to make like the Olympics of grappling." So he just like would invite all the superstars, all the grappling superstars in the world and have them compete in a big tournament in Abu Dhabi. Yep. And that's how the Abu Dhabi Combat Club got started. And to this day, they hold a tournament every two years featuring the world's best grapplers. Wow. Was, when was the last time this tournament was held? Uh, 2017, uh, 2017, Helsinki, Finland. Yeah. yeah. So it's all around the world. It's not just in Abu Dhabi. Now it's all around the world. Now it's being treated like... Uh, the know, trials and everything, yes. Kind of like the Olympics. But yeah. before, it was kind of more just like a spectacle happening in like for these like sheiks in like Abu Dhabi. I think the first three, four tournaments were all in Abu Dhabi. 
Wow, that's pretty cool. That's super exotic. Super cool. (laughs) Yeah, because it's hard for grapplers to make money. So you think about it, some guy gets offered like 10 grand and a free like plane ticket to go down to Abu Dhabi and grapple some dudes. Like dream trip. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Third place gets 5,000. Second place gets 10. First place gets 50. Yeah. 50 grand, man, for a grappler. grappler. Yeah. There's no money in grappling. So guys will jump at that. Pretty good that he uses his money to promote an art form and appeal to an international audience rather than just buying like his 100th Bentley. Totally. He's definitely or, or building a, it, building it, it a second art. It yeah. literally became the biggest tournament in like nogi grappling ever. Like if you win ADCC, you're that's your, oh yeah, yeah, you're the best in the world. That's like Marcelo Garcia. That's like, well, Gordon Ryan. Gordon Ryan, right, yes. You know, these guys, it will be attached yeah. to their name forever. Hmm. So talking about the future, what do you think it looks like? I mean, just coming from the last five years, now there's like 30 plus people at training sessions routinely. How can you grow past that? What does the next year or two years or beyond that look like? I'm not too sure. I, all I want is my students to progress. Um, if they want to open a gym, I can help them out with that. It's um, Right now, my plate's full of teaching almost every day, but I want my students to look beyond just within our mats. If they decide they want to open a club, I'll, I'll support them. So it sounds like CDBJJ is like at or near capacity, and the, the expansion beyond here would be like additional gyms. Is that right? Exactly, yes. Like, well, if you want to train with us, anyone's more than welcome to. But why, uh, why wouldn't you guys open a new gym? Um, I don't want to teach every day. Yeah. CDBJ is my baby. I just want to stay in one spot and just teach there. If I go anywhere else, it's too difficult for me. Wow. Uh, I'm not about the money. I came to China for jujitsu. I think like one of the keys to success that CDBJ has had is that it's been like a homegrown operation mm-hmm. for the love of the sport since day one. Started like from very humble beginnings. I've personally instructed at uh, a number of different gyms in Chengdu that have started with these grand ambitions. Some guy comes in with a lot of money. He sees MMA and all this stuff is becoming more popular, opens up a huge facility with all this nice gear, and then they go bankrupt within a year. That's right. Yeah. I've visited that some, a lot. I've visited some of those gyms with Vaughn before. Yeah. Like massive facilities and like six months later, it's and gone. And it looks great. And they're doing like photo shoots and huge promotional events. And, and there's all this like kind of experts stuff. from like England and Germany and yeah. Thailand in there. Yeah. And I mean, they pay really good money, but then, you know, after like, after couple like, years, yeah. not even a couple of years, I'm talking about like six months to a year. Yeah. yeah, sure, yeah. And, it is, and it is no more. CDBJ started from the ground yeah. up. And yes. It took, and exactly. it took a long time. And it was always for the love of the sport. It was never about making money. Even now, it's not about making money. You, you know, got, the organic yeah. distinction is like, it cannot be overstated. We got offered to be bought up so many times. I said, sorry, we can't. Sorry. I can't see this go. You know, so good for you guys. Have you guys, have you met this uh, British guy named George here who's doing Muay Thai? He has a Muay Thai gym, which he co-manages up in the north. It's an S1 gym. I think I've heard of him. Yes. S1 is apparently a name brand, a Thailand gym, a mm-hmm. Muay Thai gym. And uh, he's doing that up there. I went there to train uh, once and it was really enjoyable. Great facility. All Thai trainers inside nice. there. But it was a really inconvenient location. Is and I kind of... Uh, railway station? It's uh, in that area. Yeah, it's far. It's very far out of the way. Like right the now, North Railway Station. That's pretty far up. There. Pretty, pretty far up there. It's pretty sketchy, though, right? Um, well, actually, the facility itself was amazing, but I got the impression that it's like such a far away, remote mm. location that there's not a lot of people going there. I could be mistaken. That was just my impression, but uh, it does feel a little bit like what you described. Like in this case, I think it was this Thai gym company, S1, whatever that is, and they took an interest in China and then Chengdu, and they found a couple local practitioners to lead it and they just kind of put a bunch of money into like developing this sort of -of state-of-the-art facility which is kind of in this remote obscure place in Chengdu which might not be found and you know I kind of felt 
grateful to train there with a foreigner mm-hmm. in a, such a nice facility and to have all Thai trainers as well. But I did also have a concern that, you know, is this sustainable? And I feel like there's a lot of this sustainability issue is a very common one um, in kind of every industry in China, sort of, but especially in foreign martial arts and training. Well, see if they're around in a year's time. Yeah. I mean, the biggest overhead is rent. If we could pay for that, we're good to go. I mean, a lot of gyms are paying hundreds of thousands of RMB just for rent alone. Right. We're just paying little, well... 10,000, 15,000 RMB just for rent and we're doing okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe we're sustainable for a very long term future. So yeah, I want to say in Chengdu, I say that. So I'm trying to make it uh, my baby, you know, GDBJ and try to make it grow, make everyone succeed. Yeah, with 200 people inside there, it sounds like you can do it as long as you want. <laughs> It'll be here as long as you want to do it. So okay. good for you. Is there anything else uh, we should mention before we start to wrap this up on the subject of jujitsu in China? Come out and train. Yeah, Check us out. Say, Google yeah. us. Chain you BJJ. Yeah. Um I'm also running a class at a 24-hour fitness gym called Be Active. Uh, I teach a nogi class on Tuesday night. It's like geared towards beginners mostly. We're in association with CDBJJ, like I said. Uh, I'm a purple belt under Jerry there. And mm-hmm. we love having you guys out all the time. We want to grow the sport here. So if you're ever curious about training, honestly, anybody can do it. Yeah, same here. Just come train. You know, we're located at Tianfu Square. Very convenient location for a lot of people right in the middle of the city. So we're not like too far. Um, so come train. That's all I got to say. If you go to come train, come on Thursday night. So like 30 people, more to merrier. Um, Wednesday morning, if you want to train really hard for a nogi class, that's like one of the best days to train. Sunday is a really good day. So. Yeah, we also have MMA. Jelly's teaching it. Rocky's teaching a no-gi class. Um, if you have any children, Debbie, she's Greek. She's my Greek brown belt. She uh, teaches a couple of kids' classes, and uh, it's really good. You know? Great. So cdbjj.org, and you oh, got a gym yep. in uh, the uh, Tampa Square area, and there's a Thursday night and Wednesday morning. And Sunday morning, yes. Classes every, is classes class, every day. Yeah, classes every day, every day, every day. at Tampa Square, day. right. And then uh, Andrew also leading a class at Be Active in Tonsalin. That's Tuesday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. Yeah, you can hit me up on Facebook too, CDBJJ, Facebook, that slash CDBJJ. Straightforward. Super yeah. welcoming community here in Chengdu, honestly. Yeah. Open to pretty much anyone. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, thank you guys for joining me. Thank Hopefully, you, we see uh, some more expansion of the jiu-jitsu scene in Chengdu, but I feel pretty grateful for the growth that we've seen so far and to have you guys here and uh, yeah. representing. Definitely. Optimistic for the future for uh, BJJ in China and mm-hmm. Chengdu. It's going to be the same way. Come train, guys, please. Come thank train, you. guys. Right. Cheers. Oh, see you.